Good morning again. We're blessed is this morning. We bless Lord speak to us. Yeah. You know, continue to reveal to us how much greater your thoughts are than ours. How much greater your ways are than the ways that we think. You know, and then this started, you know, a couple of weeks ago when, you know, I was asked, you know, can you teach a little bit on Romans 12, you know, how can we be transformed by the renewing of our mind? Then I started thinking about it and meditating and finding, you know, and doing my research. That's what I do. I'm always reading, always trying to get some information on, you know about what we're going through right and then this book is called shaped by the word by robert Mulholland jr it's the power of scripture in spiritual formation and he's saying if you read the bible only as information nothing happens but if you read as a uh, transforming word by the Holy Spirit, you're changed and you're shaped by the word. And I think that this is what, how it works for me. You know, because I, I, this is what I believe. I, can, I believe that I cannot trust my mind. Right? My mind is limited. If, you know, if I, I just rely on what I know, I will never be able to change. I will always continue thinking the same way. So I need a new way of thinking. And to me, the only really trustworthy way of thinking for me is from God. You know, but then how do I hear from God, right? So one plumb line that we have is the scriptures. It is the word of God. You know, and then how do I know if I'm actually interpreting the word in the right way because I'm using my mind to interpret the word, right? So I, that's where I think we, we, have, we need relationships and we need, you know, cooperations. Ephesians 4 talks about speaking the truth to one another in love, we grow. So not that I'm going to talk to everybody and hear everybody, but I'm going to find relationships that I can trust and that will work as a confirmation for me of what the Word is speaking to me through the Holy Spirit. Good so far? Yeah. So, uh, let's have some fun this morning. So here he's reading. I'm going to have to go back here. Some verses there. We have heard so many times, uh, and I'm going to read a couple uh, pages here, okay? The Word became flesh. The word, this Word is a Word that's involved in human existence. It is not some sort of static concept. You know, like Bill was saying, God is here. We are living epistles. We, the word is becoming flesh in each one of us. 
You know, and that's the whole thing about the body of Christ. It's like every joint supplies. Everybody will participate, and everybody will participate in the growth of the whole body of Christ, right? So, in New Testament times, the prevailing philosophy of the age had a concept of logos, or word, as the shaping, organizing, forming principle of the universe that held everything together and directed its course. But it was a very impersonal, uninvolved kind of word. The word we are speaking of is a word that's actively involved in human existence. The word continues to come to God's own, many of whom continue not to receive. But those who receive the word, God will still gives power to become children of God. The children God speaks them forth to be in the world, the world today. So God is speaking the word forth to create sons in the world today. For you to be the word to somebody. Right? A lot of times we do not see ourselves as that. We see ourselves by our past by what we, we think we failed, what we think went right or wrong, and that's not the way that God thinks. Okay? And then he reads uh, Hebrews 4, 12 to 13, and I, I think I have it here. Uh, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful. No, this is not it. Hebrews 4, now. God's word is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword and cuts as deep as the place where soul and spirit meets. Meet. The place where joints and marrow meet. God's word judges a person's thoughts and intentions. Right? So the way to be transformed by the renewing of my mind is comparing my thoughts with God's words. And that's the, 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 the sword of God, right? No creature can hide from God. Everything is uncovered and exposed for him to see. Okay. Perhaps the writer of Hebrews caught this sense of word best in Hebrews 4, the word of God is living and productive. That is, it is an active and creative presence in our lives, seeking no to bring forth the purposes of God. Then as we saw, the writer uses the two-edged sword image for the word. It is sharper than any, any two-edged sword, cutting to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, Joint and marrow is an adequate translation, but it does not really get to the roots of the Greek word joints and marrow, are secondary <sighs> meanings of the term. The word for joint is an essential, essential meaning, that which unites things. The bonding, dynamic, which holds the parts of something in proper relationship. The word for marrow in its essential meaning is that which is at the heart or essence of something. 
what the author of Hebrews is saying is that the word of God goes to the very center of what we are. It cuts through to that which bonds us together as a being. It touches upon that which forms the essence of what we are. Then just in case we miss the point, the writer continues, and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This living, productive word, the very essence of God, encounters us at the core of our being and discerns the deepest structure of our being and doing. It is for our wholeness, it is for our recreation, it is for our transformation, not our destruction. Only those elements, elements of our being that are inconsistent with God's will for our wholeness will be disturbed, displaced, or destroyed. Then, of course, must go. This, of course, must go. If we submit to the scalpel of a skilled surgeon, we trust him or her to cut the core of the problem and to remove from our bodies whatever is inconsistent with physical wholeness. The word of God is the, the word of God in, is the action of the presence, the purpose, and the power of God in the midst of human life. And one more. Uh, this is the wind of the spirit. That's it. So, let's do an exercise. Okay? Let's compare our, my old ways of thinking to God's ways of thinking. And then I need to choose who is right and who is wrong. And who has the authority to, to change my mind? Or do I have the authority to change God's mind? Right? So that, that to me is where, you know, like to make the word practical, it's like it is a war. It is a war between my mind and God's mind. And I have to decide, you know, who is right. So I'm going to have to put myself in a place where I am honest with God and say, hey, God, this is the way I think. And now you speak to me the way you think. You know, and then you, that's waiting on the Lord. And then you leave that place with a new way of thinking. You know, so it's not condemnation because he's not out there to condemn you, to judge you, to put you down, to blame you. That is completely against the scriptures. Right? There's no scripture, you know, he comes to deliver us to change us, to remove things from our lives, of course, but his intention is to make us grow and, and be like him, okay? So, I, I, I started reading this, it's 2 Timothy, and it's Paul writing to Timothy, 
you know, it's like, this is what you're supposed to do, okay? You have to keep teaching, keep reading the scriptures. And by the time, there was no New Testament. So, of course, Paul is referring to the Old Testament, to the Torah, Tanakh, the, Old Te the, the Torah, the Psalms, and the, the prophets, right? He says, all scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make what us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That's completely related to Ephesians 4 that we keep reading over and over again. The function of the ministers is to equip the saints, to build them up, to make them grow, to make them whole, to make them be healed, right? And that this is the function of the scriptures and the Holy Spirit always, also. So we need the Holy Spirit. We could, I could read a lot of scriptures about the Holy Spirit, you know, and I mean, this one is good. I'm going to read this one. This is like, think about this as tools. You know, when, when you, 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 you have a, like I have, sometimes I have asthma, right? So I had to stop and make breathing exercises, okay? So think about this series that we are going over as tools, as exercises. You know, and when you're having a bad day, it's <laughs> like, hey, wait, 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 wait. I have this toolbox that I can use to get myself back in the right way of thinking and not let my mind go crazy thinking all kinds of different thoughts. You know, so I'm going to have to discipline myself to think God's thoughts, <laughs> you know, about somebody else about a situation, something that happened, or myself. And a, a good place to start is always having God's thoughts about yourself. You know, and then stopping your mind and saying, no, 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 stop it. Stop going in that direction because you are going to be submitted, sub subject to God's thoughts, God's ways of thinking. You know, and a lot of times, that's why it says our minds are enmity against God. So 1 Corinthians 2, 12 to 16 says, And we have received God's spirit, not the spirit of the world, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. That's what's waiting on the Lord is. Like, God, what is it? What are these wonderful things that you have freely given us? You know, what we tell, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Right? Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who are not spiritual cannot receive these truths from God from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they cannot understand it. 
where only those who are spiritual can understand what this spirit means. Right? That's why I cannot rely on my mind and my, my own thinking or what you hear on the news or what is going on around in the world because what God is doing in the world right now, no, no eyes can, light can see. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, and has not even entered the heart. So it is all a spiritual thing, right? It all sounds foolish to them because they cannot understand. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the mind of Christ. And I'm, I'm going to suggest an exercise this week, you know, that you, you we're going to read the parable of the prodigal son later. You know, and then we're going to make a little dramatic you know, representation of that parable and how to apply that in our lives, okay? Here is one good verse. I mean, this is all the same uh, church that Paul was dealing with in Corinthians. This is 2 Corinthians. We capture, another translation says, we bring every thought captive. Right? Why? Because a lot of times our, our thoughts are rebelling against God and they're not subject to God. They're thinking whatever they want to think. Right? So we have to, you know, whenever you, if you want to change your mind, you have to get those old thoughts and bring them to the table, the communion table, and receive new thoughts. You have to Bring them and say, okay, God, Christ, I'm tired of this old way of thinking. You know, and I need that replaced with new ways of thinking. I want to hear what you think about me today. Okay? So don't forget this. This is something that we, we, we learn from the scriptures. Bring every thought captive. So here's what God thinks about you. And I was reading this, I was meditating about this this week, and I was, I was thinking about somebody that we know and we love so much, Andrew. You know, and I was thinking about that. I don't understand a lot about Andrew's life and why everything happened in his life, but I was, God, you do not love anyone more or less, and you love Andrew just as much as you love everybody. But your ways and what happened to Andrew's life and his health, we will never understand. But this is, so you, I, I think I need to first understand that God is he's not a respecter of person. You know, he, he loves everybody. He is love, right? So look at this, can a woman Isaiah 49, forget her nursing child? I mean, we have mothers here. 
amazing mothers. You would never forget your nursing child, right? I mean, I, I think about my daughters and like what a joy, what a blessing, you know, and how it, they changed me, you know, from the moment of conception, right, or that we realized that Debbie was pregnant, already changes started in me because it's like you, you love what you beget, you know. Now, if, if this is what God is saying. Can a woman forget her nursing child? Will she have no compassion on the child from her womb? Although mothers may forget, I will not forget you. Isn't that a good one to remember? That it doesn't matter what's going on, he promised that he will never forget me. Right? He says, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Whenever you feel like you, 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 he has forsaken you, remember that he has you in the palms of his hands. And then you say, no, I'm not going to allow any other different thinking separate me from God. Jesus said this, John 16, when that day comes, you will ask for what you want in my name. I'm telling you that I won't have to ask the Father for you. The Father loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. So the, just the fact that we are here God is saying, you, you don't even, I don't even need to ask for you because the Father already loves you. And we cannot forget this. Romans, and I'm not going to go there, but because I want to get to the, the parable. But Romans, I suggest you read this, 8, 29 to 34, and it says, therefore, his son is the firstborn among many children. You know, and, and I don't love my firstborn more than I love my second daughter. You know, and so I'm thinking, God does not love the firstborn more than he loves you. And that, that needs, I think it has to have an impact in, in our lives and the way that we live our lives. You know, because a lot of times, we, we, we compare ourselves to others and we, we kind of try to grade ourselves and oh, that person is a look and that person has this big ministry so he's like pretty closer to the heart of God and that's not the way that God thinks. Oh, but this happened in my life so it's probably because I'm a bad person and God is mad at me and probably it's not the way that God thinks. You know, and so we need to think the way that God thinks. So, Luke 15 is a parable that I, I already thought about it on it many, many different times with a lot of different emphasis. 
You know, you can talk about the father, you can talk about the older brother, you can talk about the prodigal son, the younger brother. But let's read, and I want you to think about this like we were talking last week about imagine, you know, that concert and that, and you know, that you two concert only for you. And then the, the author of that other book says, but imagine God singing for you, right? And this is another way for you to imagine and put yourself here and to imagine your life and the way that God sees it, okay? So I'm going to just go through reading quickly because the emphasis is at the end. Uh, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and, began to, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields, his fields, to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Now, this is an exercise. And this is you, so many times, coming before the Father, presenting your version of who you think you are and how worthy you think you are and how little you think you deserve and how much you messed up and you made mistakes and did bad decisions and bad choices. And you come a lot of times to the Father and say, oh my God. Right? You know what I'm saying? I, I don't deserve this anymore. I'm not even, I, I'm, I, I, as a son, I'm, I'm dead. You know, may, maybe a slave, maybe a servant, maybe I'm going to be the lowest of the slaves there in my father's house. Right? Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. Now, you know, think a little bit as a Hollywood director. 
Imagine, you know, a, a nice field getting back to the farm of your father and this guy hungry, starving, probably on drags, lost everything, and he's just walking. Probably without shower, no haircut, nothing, right? So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. This is here, it's Jesus telling a parable to reveal the Abba, Abba's way of thinking, not our ways of thinking. So he was shocking the people. Like, this is how God is. And this is how he was presenting this parable, this story. You know, we were talking last week about the power of stories. And the Bible is a book of stories that have the power to change us, right? So filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Now imagine, because he had a longer script, right? Maybe you can hire me and maybe I can be your servant. Imagine the father just putting his hand over the son's mouth. Say, stop. Stop. Stop that way of thinking. That's not the way I think. The way that I think is that, and we were going to continue, he didn't, he didn't respond to this son. He stopped his son right on the track saying, stop. Stop that way of thinking. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf and we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and he has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. This is a tool for your toolbox. When you're thinking with your old ways of thinking and allowing those thoughts of failure, of rejection, of distance, of all of that, you stop it and you imagine this scene and you say, that's me. A lot of times I come before the Father you know, with my excuses or my explanations and my, my self-evaluation. But he's saying, stop. Let's, you were dead, but now you're alive. All he had to do is 
Shuva. It's not the repentance that a lot of times is preached in churches. All he had to do is return to his father. All he had to do is come and say, hey, here I am. I'm back. Here I am. Now tell me how you think about me. So I bless this week for us that we we create, you know, like in your trip, you say, hey, if you do this prayer for six weeks or this meditation for six weeks, you know, it's like, how can we create this habit of just controlling our thoughts and, and directing them to think the way that God thinks about us? We bless this for us this week. Amen.